Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So today I'm super excited to talk with you about Endgame. Um, I really want to talk about something that I think they get horribly wrong. It just goes <laughs> horribly awry. Um, so first, let me warn you, there's definitely spoilers. If you haven't seen it, this would not be the show for you. Now, uh, that being said, I also don't want to start off on a, a horribly negative note. I want to actually start off with a couple of things that I think that they get really right, and then we can move into where I think, oh, wow, this is, this is maybe deeply problematic. So um, here's something that I think the film does really, really, really well. Um, there's this question that we are left with after um, the last Avengers film where we're wondering, well, is Thanos to a certain degree a good guy, right? Um, yeah, sure, he's apparently killed half of the universe, but his motivation is that he wants to make the universe a better place, that overpopulation is a genuine problem. And there's certain evidence that suggests that this might actually be the case. And we even see Captain America mention something along those lines, right? Where he says he sees this pot of whales, which is not something that you would have seen previously. Um, now, my when, when that film came out, my argument at the time had been, well, there's a worry though, which is that, isn't he still a pretty selfish person insofar as he sacrifices his own daughter for the soul stone? And the immediate response is, is well, I mean, you have to sacrifice someone. And there's this question of whether or not sacrificing yourself would work. And now we know it is, right? So Endgame specifically shows us that a person can sacrifice themselves and the other person, the person who they're with, the other person that they're engaging in this quest with will receive the stone. Now, you might say, well, but if Thanos had sacrificed himself instead of Gamora, how does he know that Gamora would use the stone to accomplish his aims, to do what he was planning to do. We don't. But I think someone who truly, truly loved his daughter and someone who was really trying to both do the right thing and be a good person in so doing would afford his daughter the chance. I mean, there is something to be said for if Gamora had seen her own father sacrifice himself instead of her in order to try and bring about an event that he believes is absolutely necessary. One that she had been kind of like raised to believe in as well. She might have been motivated to finish what her father started. It certainly seems like it would have been a powerful gesture at the very least for him to do this. And it also kind of suggests that maybe he would leave it up to someone who's not him. Right? In other words, give someone else the opportunity just in case he's wrong to make the decision, but also to see how much he's willing to sacrifice in order to, to do it. A soul for a soul, but instead of his daughter's soul, his own. And at that point, I think it makes him pretty blameless to a certain extent. I mean, he's still someone who's helped like murder half of the universe, but at least he believes in it so deeply that he's willing to be part of that half that dies, right? <clears throat> so we realize instead that who is Thanos really? Okay, yes. Arguments in his favor, he's willing to destroy the stones, um, seemingly giving up his godlike powers in order to do so. He seems willing to accept his death after he knows that his goal has been accomplished, right? This is an inevitability. He seems comfortable with those things. He retires, all of that. 
But not only is he willing to sacrifice his own daughter, but when he realizes that the rest of the universe is not happy with the gift that he's given them, he is not going to just get rid of half of them. He's going to get rid of all of them and then create a universe that is grateful to him. In other words, that's a God action, right? That's an action that a divine entity takes and basically says, oh, you aren't grateful for what I've given you? Okay, let me create someone who is and I'm going to end you. So at that point, I think Thanos gets um, far less credit. <laughs> and unlike Infinity War, which really the focus is Thanos, right? It's really about him. It's a film about him, his development, who is he, what is his motivation, so on and so forth. This film shows much less interest in Thanos. There isn't nearly as much character development. And you realize, you, you basically just kind of peel back the thin veneer of his supposed um, uh, self-sacrifice, his supposed dedication to his quest, and realize who he really is is someone who is obsessed with himself, obsessed with his own rightness, and obsessed with the idea that there should be a grateful universe for what he's willing to do. That's a fairly shallow character. So here's something else that I think the film does really well. And this is a matter of argument, right? People are arguing about this right now, which is this issue of Thor being overweight. And I love it. <laughs> uh, it's just fascinating to me because this reveals a whole lot of stuff about Thor because Thor retrieves Mjolnir, right? He retrieves the hammer of Thor, right? This isn't just a weapon that can be wielded by Thor. It is a weapon that is specifically magicked by Odin to only be that which can be wielded by someone who is worthy. And Thor discovers that he is still worthy, much like he's really excited to make this discovery, that he's still worthy, even though he is in many ways broken by grief. Uh, he's become somewhat self-indulgent, right? You know, just kind of laying about playing video games, just drinking alcohol, right? But his body type doesn't, you know, match some supposed heroic notion, all of these things. And, and yet he's still worthy. In other words, what we come to realize is being in grief does not make someone unworthy of being a hero, nor does uh, not having the supposedly right socially defined body type, right? And that's something that has become even more pressed upon us as superhero films have become more and more and more popular. If you look at, um, say, Adam West, back when he played Batman in the 1960s TV show, people would probably look at him today and be like, wow, he wasn't really all that in shape or even like Michael Keaton in the 1980s but like Adam West worked out a lot to get the body that he believed was necessary to play Batman and this is of course something that that women have been dealing with for a very long time this idea that they need to change their bodies to meet certain kinds of social standards and it's becoming like more and more and more pressing this idea that men need to do this as well particularly if they want to be heroic if they want to be heroes right so you look at people uh, like, you know, Chris Hemsworth and you realize, wow, this, this body is almost nearly impossible for most people to achieve. And, you know, people like uh, Hugh Jackman, right, playing Wolverine. If you listen to him talk about what he had to do for his body 
to make himself um, what we believe Wolverine should look like, he had to do stuff that's really quite dangerous. And he'll tell people like, don't do this because he had to do, he had to engage in certain kinds of like uh, dehydration and then um, sudden rehydration to, to make his veins pop out in certain ways. And he's like, don't do this. And so there's this realization that in order to look like these superheroes, you have to do things that are actually really quite bad for you. And so it's pretty great that Thor doesn't look like that. And if you think about it, there's a good kind of question as to why would he look, um, you know, super in shape in the first place? Like, why is that particularly important to be this like all powerful Thor? Um, a good, a good example of that problem is like Superman. Like why is Superman so in shape? Right. Uh, so, just moving to the DC universe for a minute. I mean, if you really think about it, what is it that Superman could work out with on Earth that could get him in shape? <laughs> like, what could he pick up? Like, what could they possibly have at the gym that would be sufficient to cause him to break a sweat? And the answer is, of course, nothing, right? There's, like, nothing. He would have to um, deny himself his powers through some sort of exposure to kryptonite or, you know, deny himself exposure to the yellow sun for a sufficiently long long enough time to not have his powers, then work out on Earth and then get his powers back. You know, really, if you think about it, Superman should be quite round <laughs> because there's no resistance for him on Earth. There's nothing that would cause his body to, to do the stuff that gets people generally in amazing shape, right? And the same would be said of Thor. Thor is um, arguably the strongest of the Avengers or one of the strongest. And so what is it that he could be doing on Earth that would cause him to get all buff and ripped and, you know, super cut and so on and so forth? There really isn't anything he could do. So it kind of actually makes more sense that he would be around, you know, that he would be a fluffy Thor. <laughs> and so um, anyways... That's pretty cool. And I think it speaks to a willingness to embrace many different kinds of body types and realize that heroism has nothing to do. He's still um, powerful and impressive. And that's just wonderful to see. And more importantly, maybe even more important than overcoming the bodily aspect of it. And, and to be honest, I would like to see that for women as well. It seems like we're more comfortable with, you know, a kind of overweightish, um, you know, as guardian, you know, uh, male hero than we would be, say, a, a female he hero of, of a, a similar um, fluffy status, right? And, but it's it's something, right? It's, it's something. But it's also really cool that the emotional content and the, 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 the broken emotional content that Thor is dealing with has nothing to do with this worthiness. So where do I think they get it wrong? Okay, so there's this really cool moment in the film. I, I loved it. You know, I think a lot of us are like, our eyes went wide. It was true to certain moments in the comics where Steve Rogers, Captain America, calls Mjolnir to him and is able to wield the power of Thor. And that's awesome, right? That is awesome to see. And like, Thor's like, I knew it, you know, and the rest of us are like, we knew it too. And, and it calls back to that moment when Steve is able to move the hammer just a little bit. And this isn't the first other person who we've seen be able to move the hammer. We've seen Vision be able to do this as well. But it's just really cool. And, you know, I love Captain America. I, I, I find him one of the most interesting and tragic characters due to his out-of-time nature and the fact that he's kind of stuck in this radically different way of thinking about morality that's connected to the 1940s and propriety 
and thoughtfulness and politeness that's just kind of completely died away. And you compare him to someone like um, Tony Stark, who's indulgent and womanizing and, you, you know, Cap's just cool. He's just part of this bygone era that uh, of kind of gentlemanliness that's just dead and dead and gone. But they really kind of killed that in this film, didn't they? If you think about it. Right. And, and listen, I, I don't mean to, to throw shade. I'm not saying that someone can't be a hero or worthy of Thor's hammer if they cuss, which I think Steve does more than anyone else in the film. Right. Part of that's comic. Right. You know, this guy who was like language is now, you know, um, throwing the B word about. But it's also to show development and change in the character, if not grief. Right. Um, Cap's dealing with this tragedy and this failure just like everyone else is dealing with it and in his own way and it's kind of radically changed him it's maybe made him more bitter or more cynical in in ways that aren't obvious and perhaps his use of language is that so okay that all right i'll give you that obviously yeah, issues of of drinking and even certain amounts of self-pity or even certain amounts of self-indulgence are not a problem for wielding the hammer. So, so what's my problem? What, why, why, why are you throwing shade at Cap, Nick? I'm throwing shade at Cap because it's not just a matter of his language. He says things like, yeah, that is America's ass. Okay, cool, but that's pretty self-aggrandizing, isn't it? I mean, it's funny, but is that something that Captain America would have said? At least the Cap that we knew? And again, he's changed, he's a changed fellow. But that's kind of a Stone, Tony Stark kind of emotion, isn't it? Right? It's kind of a, a Tony Stark kind of action. And I find it unimpressive. <laughs> I mean, it's cool that he recognizes his worth, but... Really? This is the guy who's wielding the hammer? This guy who recognizes how fabulous his own buttocks is? Because can't some... Can't someone become unworthy? Can't someone become less worthy of the hammer? Thor hasn't. But couldn't Cap... Like, how is Captain America more worthy of it now than he was back during the Age of Ultron? Now, that, I think, could be an interesting discussion. There might be something to be said there that's of note or interest. But that's a little bit beyond the scope of our time today. But I will say this. The thing that we know is that what makes someone worthy of the hammer, what makes someone worthy of Thor's hammer, is willingness to sacrifice oneself, right? We see that in the film Thor. That's the thing that changes it for Thor, right? That's the thing that makes the difference. It's nothing about drinking or language or anything else. It's his willingness to give up his life for others. That's what makes a hero. Well, who's the person who does that best in Endgame? Not Cap. It's Tony. <laughs> right? I mean, the one person that you would think is definitely the farthest from being worthy of the hammer. Right? The person who is certainly least Captain America-like, like I was saying, you know, the playboy, you know, the raging capitalist, the one who's willing to be super self-indulgent, the one who's constantly recognizing kind of how awesome he is. But if there's a character that's shown tremendous growth throughout the series of these films... Right? I mean, Iron Man 3 deals with this. Like, Tony really has to deal with his own mortality. And he has to multiple times. And this isn't the first time that Tony has been willing to show a complete willingness to sacrifice himself for others. Right, We see that 
in the first Avengers. And, you know, Cap's the one calling him. Like, are you the one who's really going to be able to do that? Are you really the one who'd be willing to lay down your life? And Tony clearly is. And he pays a series of prices for it. And I'm not saying that Cap wasn't or isn't. But I'm kind of saying he isn't. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Follow my argument here. And I feel terrible because I, I love Steve. So forgive me. But... Tony Stark is the one who's willing to give up his life at the end, and he knows it. He knows what he needs to do. I think, he, you know, there's always kind of that haunting realization that he needs to do it. But he doesn't call the hammer. Steve does. But what does Steve do at the end? Well, Steve, at the end, does what Tony tells him to do, but Tony himself doesn't do. Get his own life. Which is really just a way of saving one's life, isn't it? I mean, leaving aside the fact that by going back in time to be with Peggy, and there's argument as to whether or not he's just having that one dance or whatever else, but what I've heard that the Russo brothers are arguing is that it's an alternative timeline now, right? That there's the universe that Peggy gets to be with her husband, so on and so forth, but there's also the universe that she gets to be with Steve. But even in that universe, Steve knows that by doing that, he's preventing her from having that life with that other person. He's chosen it for himself over the other and, and arguably he's he's got to know that he's potentially creating another timeline in so doing right which is exactly kind of like what they've been warned against doing and why they're returning the stones but in addition to that let's say he decides that he tries to maintain it to some degree like captain america's like okay well i'm not going to be captain america while i'm doing this i'm just going to live my life you know settle down be with peggy be happy i've earned it right then there's all that time that he's not being Captain America. There's all these lives that he could save, but doesn't, right? So, is that self-sacrificial, right? I mean, isn't the whole thing with Tony, isn't his tension with Pepper that he can't stop. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, Tony Stark's got a lot of flaws, but a beautiful thing about this man that's become in, in, increasingly evident all the way through his death is that he cannot stop himself from trying to save the world. <laughs> even when it comes at the expense of his family. In other words, even it, when it comes at the expense of his happiness. And he's not willing to sacrifice their life, right? He makes that very clear. Like, that's the one line he will not cross. He will not sacrifice his daughter to save the rest of the universe. But he makes the decision to try and save the rest of the universe knowing that that's a risk, number one. But number two, he knows that he really might die in so doing. And thusly not getting the life that he tells Steve to get, which is another self-sacrificial thing to do, right? Like, it's between the two of them. Who's going to go? And Tony takes it upon himself. So who really, <laughs> you know, of the not Thors, who really should be, who's really worthy? Who really should be wielding the hammer? And I'm not convinced that it's Steve Rogers. So I think, uh, I think they might've made a horrible, horrible mistake. All right. So I look forward to what I hope are um, voracious disagreements and thoughts and comments and um, 
I hope you have a wonderful week.